This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're in Exodus chapter 30 now. We've made it all the way to Exodus chapter 30, and we are digging with one of the permanent fixtures, one of the things that uh, God wants placed in the temple. It's interesting that it comes at the end of his explanation of the things he wants done. It comes after he sets aside and anoints and consecrates the priest for service, and it is not needed for atonement. And by the way, that's really how you can tie these things off and look at them. There are things that he tells them they need to do before they consecrate the priest, and then there's things that need to be done after they consecrate the priest. And let's just talk about those things. The first thing is, the first thing is, it's obviously the Ark of the Covenant where atonement sacrifices are made. Before the priest is put in his position, which means, by the way, us, before we're actually made uh, a priest or before we're born again, God provides for the atonement at the Ark. He provides for the showbread, meaning the bread of life. He provides the Holy Spirit's revelation of that showbread in the menorah that's in the inner courts there. He provides the altar. He provides the place where the sacrifice is made, the place where the burnt offerings are made. He provides the building. He provides the wall. He provides the gate. All those things are provided before Aaron and his sons are consecrated, every one of them. Now, he's going to... Uh, Interestingly, after that, after the priest is, is consecrated, there are a couple of things that are done after that, which are pictures of things that we are responsible for. In fact, I would say we are responsible for. You have the morning and evening sacrifice. That is the lamb that is sacrificed in the morning and evening. It is a picture of Jesus and him being a continual and eternal sacrifice. But notice that the priests are doing this. The priests are making that sacrifice. And what that means is there's a picture of us being continually sacrificing. We're continually giving of ourselves. And we talked about the two different types of sacrifices that we see in Scripture as far as who's doing them. You've got the one that's done by the four people, by the priest, and that usually is a picture of God's sacrifice. And then you've got the, the picture of what we bring to uh, God, and that's our sacrifice. But the daily sacrifice is a continual re representation of that covenant relationship we have with God, where we sacrifice and he sacrifices. He sacrificed his son, a permanent sacrifice, and then we continually offer ourselves, offer our lives as a, a living sacrifice to him. This piece of furniture is a very interesting and important piece of furniture that God puts in the temple. You would think he would have told them to do it 
when he told them to do the ark, when he told them to do the showbread, the table with the showbread, the table with the, it's all right there with everything else. But for some reason, God doesn't tell them to do this till after he's anointed the priest. And what is it? It's the altar of incense. And he says, make an altar of acacia wood. This is verse, th verse one of chapter 30. A burning for burning incense. It is to be, now notice this exactly like the other ones. Why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we make them when we make the other ones? Uh, make it to be square, a cubit long and a cubit wide. That's two and a half feet long and two and a half feet wide. And two cubits high, about five feet high. It, its horns are to be piece, one piece with it, meaning the table and the horns that come off of it are to be all one piece, meaning it's continual. It's not separate things. It's all the same thing. Overlay the top of all the sides of the horns with pure gold. That's a picture of the royalty of God. With, and make gold molding around it, meaning it's ornate, it's beautiful. God, it's, it's ple pleasing to God. Make the two gold rings for the altar below the molding, one on each opposite side. Notice so we're going to make rings so it's going to be carried by people. It's going to be carried by these two poles, and that's what he says, make poles of acacia wood. Remember, acacia wood is a picture of us. And then we're overlaid with gold, and he says, and overlaid them with gold. Put the altar in front of the curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant law. This is all the same that he said, and how to make the Ark of the Covenant, how to make the how to make the table for the showbread, all those things that you've got. They're overlaid with gold. They're made out of one piece, meaning they're singular in nature. They, they represent the royalty of God. It's acacia wood, which is a picture of man covered in the royalty of God. All, all the same things. Why did God say, why didn't he just add that into the list of things to create before he consecrated the priest? He said, put the altar in front of the curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant of the Law, meaning it's you've got the showbread and the, and the menorah here. And then before you get to the entrance of the Ark of the Covenant, this table is going to be sitting right there. So it's right there in the in amongst all the other furniture. He says, before the atonement cover that is over the table in the covenant law, where I will meet with you. Now notice in verse 7, Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps. Meaning when he goes in and puts the oil in the lamps, he is supposed to make sure that the incense is burning in the altar. Notice verse 8, he is to burn incense again when the light when he lights the lamps at twilight. So incense will burn regularly before the Lord for the generations to come. He burns incense in the morning after the sunrise, which is a picture of after resurrection, and he burns incense in the evening when when it's twilight, right before it gets dark. It's a picture of and burning incense, our prayers in the New Testament are called a, a sweet fragrance before God. It's a picture of constant prayer. And I want to use that word prayer because oftentimes I need to explain it. And oftentimes it becomes very ritualistic. Prayer becomes very ritualistic. We pray before we eat. We pray at church. There are certain times and seasons we pray, but prayer becomes just very ritualistic for us, and it loses its personal flavor. And oftentimes in relationships, we get that way. 
what we say and we talk about with other people is just, hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. How's your family doing? Family's doing great. How's your family doing? My family's doing great. Everything uh, going good at work? Yeah, we're doing all right at work. How you doing at work? We doing good at work. Is everything going on where you live? Yeah, we've had a few things happen, but things going pretty good. How about you? Been doing pretty good. Nothing, nothing new, just normal life. I hope you have a good day. You too. Hope to see you soon. You too. Notice. N- n- in that conversation right there, and that conversation is a common conversation that's had all over the world all the time, all every day, that conversation or some form of fashion of that conversation is one you have with people all the time in their lives. And it's meaningless. It's absolutely meaningless. Because you didn't provide any information. You didn't say anything that's real or true about what's going on. Now, it may be, th- it may be true that everything is going all right, but the spectrum of all right is, that's all right, but we're in the South. The spectrum of all right is from very terrible to excellent, fabulous, the best day of my life. That's the spectrum of all right. So unless it's just the worst day of your life, one of the worst days of your life, or one of the greatest days of your life, basically your life is going all right. In the South, it is anyway. And and so you've really not told them anything. You've not told them anything about you, anything about your family, anything about your life. And oftentimes, we ritualize prayer in such a way that it is just basically, if you want to know the truth, prayer is just basically going through the motions of talking to God at the time or the place we normally talk to God. And it doesn't really deal with the real things that are going on in our lives. It doesn't really deal with the struggles that we face each and every day. It is a it is just a perfunctory act done so that we can feel like we're we can feel like we're doing something with God. We're doing a ritualistic act of service that we feel like in some way keeps us connected with God but it's not really of any value as far as a relationship. And that's not what God wants from us. God wants us to speak to him about the issues of our days. He wants us to talk to him about the situations we find ourselves in as we go through life. He wants to be able to teach us and to tell us the things that are happening in our lives. And he wants us to be able to know that he's there and he has insights to give us as we live and as we walk each and every day. And he doesn't want our lives to be in our relationship to be with him, just another perfunctory relationship, just another meaningless conversation. He wants to have continual fellowship with us. That's why the Bible says pray without ceasing. That's why this these in, this incense is supposed to be continually burning in the inner court, in the place where we receive God's word, in the place where the light of the Holy Spirit's shining from the lamps. It's a picture of God revealing his son, God revealing his will and his way through the Holy Spirit. And it's a picture of us interacting with that, not just hearing from God and, and saying nothing and doing nothing. It's a picture of us interacting with God on those matters. And um, God desires for us to interact with him on the things that are going on in our lives, for us to make note of the things we see that are unusual, things we don't understand, 
things that are new and different that are going on around us and inquire of him of what he's doing in that, how he's moving, what has God got to do with that, and to allow him to join us in living our lives. That's the whole purpose of him giving us eternal life is so that he we can we can experience the life that God has and walk through this life on this earth with him and experiencing life through his eyes, through his understanding, and experiencing what is in actuality real life. And so that can't be done in a ritual, and it can't be done just by by checking the box of some servitude that we have toward God as far as our prayers are concerned. Our prayers, our relationship with God, who we cannot be ritualistic. It must be it must be intensely real and relational. That's why when you see David angry with God and speaking to him about those things. That's why you see Job being very not understanding and real with the Heavenly Father and seeking out God and wanting to know what's really happening. That's why you see Moses frustrated with the people and coming and talking with God. Those, all those pictures, all the, that's why you see Jesus going off into the wilderness to deal with God after he does major miracles and ministry. Because prayer and our relationship with God is a continual act. It's a continual walking with God. It's a continual uh, conversation. It's an ongoing conversation. Best way for me to describe it is it's a text message chain, okay? It's not a phone call that you hang up. It's a constant uh, texting back and forth throughout the day. It's a constant uh, relationship. It's better than text, though. That's ridiculous because you can't really get the context of somebody's thoughts and their and their emotional attachment to things through a text, but you sure can with God. You can see God in all his full power and all his full might if you continually have a relationship of conversation with him. And you can see that with you with, you can see that as you walk with God each and every day in your own life. You can be real with God. You can be frustrated, angry, upset. You can be truthful and loving and excited and have all the emotions of life. And by the way, the emotions of life are important because they signal to us things that are going on in our lives. We don't live our lives based on the emotions. We live our lives based on the eternal word of God and his truth. But our emotions, they inform us about the world we're living in and what's going on around us. And he says, you're supposed to be burning that incense in the morning and in the evening. They're 12 hours apart at daybreak and at twilight and the reason they're 12 hours apart is so that incense will burn all day and all night before god right in the place where the atoning sacrifice is made right in the place where god's revelation of himself through his son is made and if you do that you begin to really know god you begin to take on the nature and the characteristics of god and you'll notice that people who live together people who who are married, they begin to think and act and live their lives in very similar ways with each other because, because that constant conversation, that constant relationship with each other. If you want to be like God, you got to have constant conversation and constant relationship with him. As you do that, you'll be more like him. You won't change him any, by the way. He's, got, he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And by the way, you don't want to change God. But you will be changed by it. You will be continually altered. Your life and your viewpoint of the world will change over time. And your viewpoint of how your life is to be lived and how you are carrying out 
who God is in your in your heart and mind will change each and every day as you spend time walking with God. And I'd say to you today that he says, and by the way, this is not for anything else but prayer. And I think that's important because you see that in verse 9. He says, do not offer on this altar any other incense or any other burnt offerings or grain offerings, and do not pour drink offerings on it. Notice what he's saying is, I don't want any of the offerings. This is not about offerings. This is not some penance you're doing for me. This is not a payment for sin. This is not to fix anything. This is this is the key to the relationship. I, I don't want any of those offerings to be done on this altar. I just want you to pray. I don't want you, I don't want you to feel like you gotta bring me something in order to talk to me. All you gotta do is just talk to me. And I think that is such a powerful message that is sent in verse 9. He says, don't do any of the sacrificing here. I, I need you to do the sacrificing. And the reason I need you to do it is because you need it. You need to learn how to make me first and place those things second. But the truth is that I don't want, when we're talking about prayer, when we're talking about our relationship with each other, I don't want it to be centered around a sacrifice. I just want it to be continual. I want it to be evening and a morning. I want it to be all the time, and I want it to be ever before me. He says, once a year, Aaron shall make atonement on its horns. This annual atonement must be made with blood on the atoning sin offering for the generations to come. It's the most holy place to the Lord. Now, what he's saying is, I'm going to make this a holy place for us. I don't want you to think of it as not being important, just like he atones and places the blood on the Ark of the Covenant, just like he does on the showbread, on the table for showbread, and on the table for the menorah. I want you to understand this is holy. It is holy, and it's important. And so once a year, we're going to we're gonna, we're gonna sanctify it. We're gonna atone for it. We're gonna, we're gonna do the things that m- make you understand that this is a holy act that you're doing when you pray. But we're not gonna have it be a continual act of sacrifice. We're gonna have it be a continual act of love and relationship. So it's a holy thing. It's a powerful thing. It's an important thing. But it's not. It does not require sacrifice. What it requires is love and desire to be with each other. And so that's what really prayer is, a constant conversation with God that's been made available for us. It costs us nothing, but oftentimes it brings us everything. And what really God desires is for us to seek him out and to know him and to trust him in the midst of it. I pray you'll do that. I'm almost uh, certain that you will. And I'm excited that uh, God's going to open doors and going to show you new and different things each and every day as you speak with him, as you walk with him, and as you have more. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.